There she goes. Hello. What's up? What's up? How you doing? Good. I'm excited. We were just, we were just running our mouths until some old people just, come on. You know. Okay. Can you tell me how this works? Because I don't, Chanel didn't explain it. Uh-oh. Okay. I'm about to drop the um, the screenshots of the book. Okay. And then um, we're going to take turns reading. I'm going to ask questions in between just to kind of stimulate an intellectual conversation. And, um, you know, we speak freely and stuff like that, but I'm going to drop the screenshots of the book so you'll see it on the, like, on the Zoom. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Let's see. So I don't have to actually buy the book? No, you mm -hmm. don't have to. So when do we, like, switch to a, a new book? Once we finish this one. Okay. However long it takes us, we probably like we not even a quarter of the way through the book, and we this our third session. So okay. But as as we get close to the end, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna let y'all know what the next one gonna be. How long does um does the sessions? How long are the sessions? Probably. An hour and a half to two hours long. Okay. But you don't have to stay the whole time. Okay. Yeah, you don't have to stay the whole time. Um, if you come in late and got to leave early or whatever the case, that's cool. Um, you know, as long as you come in and get some good information, get some good energy, then that's it. Cool, cool. Who is this person? Jasmine? <clears throat> is that your friend, Dre? <laughs> is that a yes welcome welcome i don't know it could be anybody's jasmine it said jasmine clark oh that is my jasmine oh it's still it's still connected i don't know if she could hear us but i guess we'll see in a second tristan williams we got a bunch of people i don't even know Mm -hmm. I don't know who Tristan is. Oh, what's up? What up, sis? That is not how your name appear on uh, Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're government now. Right. <laughs> I don't know where Jasmine went, but... All right, y'all ready to get started? Yeah. All right, we're going to start at Frederick Douglass. Does anybody want to start off the reading or y'all want me to start? Don't all raise your hands at once. <laughs> y'all want me to read? Okay, I got y'all. Everybody can hear me good, right? Okay, no complaints. Frederick Douglass. I want you to check out something that Frederick Douglass wrote in Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass. Slaves are like other people and imbibe prejudices quite common to others. They think their own better than they think their own better than that of others. 
Many under the influence of this prejudice think their own masters are better than the masters of other slaves. And this too, in some cases, when the very reverse is true. Indeed, it is not uncommon for slaves even to fall out and quarrel among themselves about the relative goodness of their masters, each contending for the superior goodness of his, of his own over that of the others. It was so on our plantation. I got Colonel that page. Lloyd's Y'all good? Y'all good? Yes? Nod your head. All right. Yeah. It was so on our plantation when Colonel Lloyd's slaves met the slaves of Jacob Jepson, they seldom parted without a quarrel about their masters. Colonel Lloyd's slaves contending that he was the richest and Mr. Joseph's slaves that he was the smartest and most of a man. Colonel Lloyd's slaves would boast his ability to buy and sell Jacob Jepson. Mr. Jepson's slaves would boast his ability to whip Colonel Lloyd. These quarrels would almost always end in a fight between the parties, and those that whipped were supposed to have gained the point at issue. They seemed to think that the greatness of their masters was transferable to themselves. It was considered as being bad enough to be a slave, but to be a poor man's slave was deemed a disgrace indeed. So... I want to ask you guys, the slavery like it was 200 years ago is not the same, but how can, like, how has that mindset transformed into today's society as far as the way Black people view each other? Um. Anybody? I'm kind of thinking of this as in like, just well, I'm behind. I just started, so I don't really know what's going on. But the part of like, um, is saying it was considered as being bad enough to be a slave, but to be a poor man's slave was deemed a disgrace indeed. And that part just makes me think about like us working, um, in general, like working for the white man or whatever, and. In my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, it's better to work for a company and make a lot of money than to work for some um, little place and not make much money. That's kind of what I what I was comparing it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody else? That's good. What I you just got, Tristan? That- you look like you want to say something. My bad. Go ahead. Me? Yep. Yeah, I just think this is just coming from a place of like modern day classism and just socioeconomic status and how everyone just um, sees who has the better car, who has the better job, and we all might be working for the white man, but who's who's in a different tax bracket? And can I belittle you based off of how many how much money I make or stuff like that? So I just think modern day classism. Sure. Oh, what you drinking? What you drinking? I'm drinking. If we come to one of these one more time and y'all don't tell me that we drinking, I'm having an issue. Oh, I'm always <laughs> drinking, so. <laughs> Anybody else? Are y'all ready for me to talk? Um, I would definitely say, like, modern day classism, like you said. Um, but I think, I think we get caught up in our individual accomplishments and not 
what we can accomplish as a community, like the black community, the black community specifically. Um, like it, it, it doesn't even make sense to, uh, to tie yourself to someone that don't even care about you or your people. Like that doesn't, but I think that that goes back to black people feeling so low about themselves, especially during that time where it's like the only, the only thing that the only people that I can really shit on is the next black man. So I'm going to do that just to make myself feel better for that temporary happiness. We don't think about the long term of what if I'm actually on the side of my brother or my sister and we working to get up out of this situation. That's what we need to be talking about, not fighting over who got the better master or who got the most degrees or who got the better job or the better car or anything like that. Um, We have to start thinking about what can we do for us to grow as a community and not what makes us feel better today? Focus. Yeah. Like that, you know, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's like to agree with what you're saying. It's a shift in focus. You know what I'm saying? Like we're focusing on each other and in the moment of how we feel. You know what I'm saying? And that's mm-hmm. why you get the shitting on each other and well, I'm doing this and at least I'm better or I'm not as bad as the other individual. But the reality is we all in this fight. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody when they line us up against the wall, we all mm-hmm. in the same fight. Mm-hmm. So I think um Jay Z song on uh four forty four, uh I think it was message to OJ or OJ or something like that. And he like, still nigga. Like, it don't matter what kind of car you drive in or what job you got, you still a nigga. Um, that don't make you better than nobody. You know, I think that it's easy for us to get our degrees and buy us a house in the suburbs and think we better than the people that's still in the hood or maybe not in as nice of a neighborhood, quote unquote. But we should view those people as our brothers and sisters, people that have a, um, that have a say in the fight. Like it's not, oh, you're not educated enough. You're not, um, you don't have enough money or whatever the case. Like we all have a purpose from the crackhead on the corner all the way up to Jay-Z and Beyonce. We all serve a purpose in um, the development of our community. But, you know, like I said, when people have an individualistic mindset, they don't think about that. It's, oh, well, my car and, you know, my purse and my hair and, you know, or my jewelry, but that's, you know, that's irrelevant. But I think you, by doing stuff like this and educating ourselves, like we're keeping it at the forefront of our minds. So when we do stuff like that, it's like, wait, am I, do I think I'm better than that person? Am I practicing classism? Am I, you know, it it forces you to check yourself and keep yourself in the box. So that you don't, you know what I'm saying? Because I think it's an unconscious thing. If you ask, if you ask black people that that um, do have this classism mentality, if you ask them, like, do you think you're being classist? They would say, no, nah, of course not. They don't even know because they're not educated. They're not thinking about it. Um, and they're not taking inventory on themselves. All right. Anybody want to read? If not, I can keep going. No. (laughs) I got y'all. It's all right. Okay. What Frederick Douglass is saying here is some heavy stuff. It just goes to show you that as much as slavery messed up people's bodies, it messed up their minds even more. 
It was bad enough that black people had to work for nothing for Colonel Lloyd, Jacob Jepson, and thousands of other evil men just like them. It was bad enough that we got whipped and sold away from our parents and children and husbands and wives. It was bad enough that our lives were not our own. But what's worse than that is the slaves who identify with their masters, as if the slaves' value as human beings depended on what the masters were like. What they were like was evil. They were called masters because they owned human beings. And we slaves were ready to fight each other over which of the low-down, filthy dogs who owned us was the best. But it wasn't the slaves' fault. Like Douglas wrote, slaves are like other people when you think about it. It's a wonder more black folks didn't fight with one another instead of fighting against the white man the way Denmark Bessie, Nat Turner, David Walker, and a whole lot of others did. Um, <clears throat> so I wanted to ask, like, I think it's easy for us now in 2020 to say, oh, if I was a slave, I would have ran away. Or if I was a slave, I would have did this. Or, you know, that couldn't have been me. Um, we think that we're so far removed from slavery, but I really want us to, to ask ourselves and reflect on it, like, what kind of slave would you be? Would you be a Nat Turner or Harriet Tubman? Or would you be a, oh, I'm just surviving. I'm, you know, I don't want to make the master mad. Or, you know, what, what do you think would make you be either one of those? You know what? Um to really think about it and reflect on it. And I don't think I don't think the is wrong in either either one, right? Mm -hmm. but I think I would be a survivor, right? Just knowing like who I am, like if I came across someone who was who was a slave who was trying to run away, I would be scared shitless to do that. You know what I'm saying? Because so many of us are scared of the unknown. It takes a special type of person to step out on nothing but faith and, mm -hmm. and move forward. It takes a special kind of individual. And when something is so embedded in you, when fear of whatever is so embedded in you, you're just trying to survive through the fear from day to day. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But I would want for myself and I would want for the people that I knew know to be that that individual to say enough and run away because it takes that one, you know, and it takes the survivors to support that one, you know. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Anybody else want to share? Y'all agree? I think that, um, like you said, it takes a, a special type of individual. Um, earlier in the book they talked about black people making it to America and literally walking into the ocean because they didn't want to be slaves or they didn't you know they didn't know what world they were going into but it's like we don't want no parts in that we would rather die um and I think that anybody that is willing to really fight against racism and systems of oppression you have to be willing and ready to die like i would rather die than to do this i would rather you know i would rather be like you think about malcolm x or martin luther king like and a bunch of others you know huey p newton all those guys like they were willing to die they would rather die like i would i don't want to just survive i don't want to just you know like you said there's no right or wrong answer because if it wasn't for 
our ancestors that did want to survive, we wouldn't be here. Um, but it's like, if you really want to be that person that spearheads change, you have to have that mentality of, I would rather die than to have my kids live through what I'm living through or for, you know, the next generation to be dealing with the same thing, you know? But I think we all, we all play a part. Like the people that are, okay, hold up, let's, you know, let's do the smart thing. Let's self-preservation and stuff like that. Like, I think you need a balance of the two. You can't have somebody that's just like, let's just go out and kill all white people. Like, whoa, <laughs> we can't do that. We need the people that's like, okay, well maybe we should plan a little bit more, you know? Um, I think it takes both of those minds and a, and a balance of the two, for sure. Um, if you've ever seen the button, I think the is a good example of how you need two very different individuals to make a greater change. You need the you need the one who and survive and just and, and work their way through this time to bring their family along through this time, you know? Like you said, we can't all be out here killing white folks and we all can't all just okay, I'm ready to die. And it's like, well, right. we got, you know what I'm saying? We got to, if we are so ready to die, if all of us are so ready to die, who's going to teach the next generation right. how to get through it, you know? Right, right, yeah. I think um, if, you, if you research uh, the work of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, you'll see, like, when they first, I don't want to say came out, like they was an artist or something like that, but... Um, when they really became popular in their own respects, they were on two completely different extremes. Like Malcolm X was like, all white people are devils. We don't want nothing to do with them. And you have Martin Luther King that really wanted to integrate and, you know, I have a dream that kids of all color and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, but as, uh, as they got experienced just in the world, they slowly started coming to a happy medium. And it seemed like right as that was happening was when they got killed. Like Malcolm X started talking about, hey, not all white people are devils, but we still not going to allow y'all to be a part of, you know, to sit at our table. Like we respect y'all. Y'all can help in other ways. But he wasn't so against white people or having relationships with white people. And Martin Luther King became more like we need to be more independent. We can't just try to sit down with everybody. We got to take care of ourselves first, you know. So I think just those two minds like and and um before they were killed they started to communicate and you know what i'm saying come together i think that would have been so powerful to have both of those like malcolm x was such a militant personality and martin luther king with his his peace thinking and you know that would like no wonder they killed him <laughs> like that would have been the most powerful thing in the world um but like we said you know you need you need both of those personalities both of those methods for us to truly reach our goal. I'm gonna keep reading if y'all good. Let's see. While you're busy shaking your head thinking they were stupid, ask yourself this, are we any better today? Black people put on the uniform of the US military, our masters and go to the Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan and anywhere else Uncle Sam tells us to go and fight and kill yellow skinned folks and brown skinned folks on behalf of the, of the United States, our masters, just like slaves fighting other slaves. 
Meanwhile, back home, one out of every half dozen blacks is locked up for committing the same drug crimes as white dudes who walk around free. What's wrong with that picture? Then you've got blacks in police uniforms out there arresting other blacks, other innocent blacks. So I thought that was, um, I thought that was an interesting topic, just talking about uh, black police officers, which I kind of feel like is a contradiction. Like, yeah, I don't, um, I don't really know how you could be black and be conscious and be a police officer, but why do y'all think black police men and women are so comfortable in their job? And if they aren't comfortable, then why do they stay? So, um, I think a lot of people that initially go think that they're going to make such a huge change. And then when they get in, they don't have as much support as they probably thought. I feel like if we're going to keep the police department, then it has to be more inclusive. And a lot of the majority of them, they have a gang mentality, just like anybody else. And they're going to pressure, I guess, people to believe in what they believe. So everybody start doing the same exact thing, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of a lot of people are scared to make any type of change, but this is also their job. So they don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. I think intentions is everything. I think when black officers go in there, they're intending to try to make a difference, especially because, or especially if they're trying to police the environments that they're from or that they know. You know, they're trying to be that that word of wisdom or that, you know, come on, bro, let's, let's do this, not do that type of uh, person in that environment, but like she was saying, you know, you really don't have the type of support or as much support because you're not being supported by the police department for sure. And then you're not being supported by your own. And so it's like, you're just kind of stuck in limbo. So I don't really know if you're conscious and comfortable. I don't think you can be conscious and comfortable. I think yeah. if you're conscious and you're very uncomfortable all the time because you don't know where you get the aggression from, where you get the negativity from, where you're going to get the support from. Mm hmm yeah um i think speaking from my own experience of being in the military um and we we talked about this on one of the last uh meetings but i feel like people have this obsession with uniforms for sure um like that any type of uniform whether it's military police officer firefighter you know uniforms symbolize that you're special or that um, you should be protected and admired. And, you know, I mean, they, they, I don't want to say they brainwash us, but you hear so much of like, like when people tell me, oh, thank you for your service. That drives me crazy. Cause I'm like, I didn't do shit. Like I didn't accomplish anything. Um, but I think that just going back to that individualistic mindset, it's like, oh, like at least with my parents, it was, oh, you're an officer in the military and, you know, you're going to get all these great benefits and good pay. And I think that stems from not having a greater purpose. Like, it's just, 
oh, we're just going to get a good job and buy material stuff. And nobody is thinking about what is my part in um, pushing the black community forward. It's just what, you know, what can my kids do that makes them look better than other kids so that I can say I'm proud of them. But what are you actually accomplishing by putting on that uniform, whether it's the military or being a police officer? They love to say, oh, you're serving your country or you're serving your community. But how if there's so many agendas above you that you have no control over? You're just a pawn. At the, at the highest level, whether it's being a police officer or in the military, um, I can guarantee you it ain't got nothing to do with uh, serving a greater purpose. Like we went over to Iraq to get their oil or Afghanistan or whatever the case, but then they package it as, oh, you're serving your community or you're serving your country. How? Like what are we even over there fighting for? You literally got people over there dying, but then you come home and it's, oh, thank you for your service. We bullying, we, bullying, other we bullying other countries. They package it up with 9-11 and say, oh, we fight terrorism. Y'all over there for fucking oil. But at the lowest level, you don't hear none of that. In the military, you have the mindset of don't ask questions and do what you told. That's it. You don't need to know the details. That's classified. That's top secret. All you know is this is, this is your mission. This little piece of the pie is your mission. And we got to go kill these terrorists. Them terrorists are probably terrorists. They probably not terrorists. They probably defending themselves because y'all fucking with them. Because y'all in their country doing something y'all not supposed to be doing. So it's like, we don't even know what's going on, but it's, oh, I got this uniform on. Um, I'm doing something great, you know, and you getting awards and your family is so proud of you and you posting a picture and you getting all the likes and it gives you this illusion that you're doing something great with your life. Not saying that, everybody in the military is like a waste of air or nothing like that. But if you really sit back and like, why are you here? Oh, I'm serving my country. What are you serving? Like, what are, they don't even know. But that comes from not having a greater purpose. It's not, what can I do to make my community better? What can I do to um, make my family financially free? What can I do to be in a better financial situation or what can I do to be independent from begging white people for jobs? And that, that's the same in the military. They love to say, oh, job security and all that kind of stuff. It ain't no job security in the military. They'll kick your ass out as quick as you will get fired from any other job. So the uniform is an illusion, you know, and you're so caught up in the day-to-day, the day-to-day job that you're not even realizing, like, wait a minute, I'm not doing shit. <laughs> Like, I had that mindset. That's why I got out. Like, what the fuck am I even doing here? Like, what is my actual purpose? Once the excitement of the uniform and all of that shit goes away, what am I actually doing? But I feel like, um, just to close out, uh, people that become police officers or join the military, they think that when they go in, they think that they're doing a, a good thing, a great thing. And they're told that by society, their families, their friends. Um, but then once you're in, you become a slave to that dollar. So many guys get married, they have kids, and then it's like, I can't get out. And they in there telling you like, oh, you're going to get out? What you going to do? Work at Walmart? You know, people get out and they fall on their face. And that's the type of stuff they tell you to keep you in. So even if they are even remotely conscious, it's, oh, I got to stay in for 20 and get my retirement pay. And you're wasting 20 years of your life. For a check 
but you you got this big ass house and this nice car you could downsize and actually find you know a true purpose for your life but you don't want to do that because you're trying to keep up this image you got to have this image for your family back home oh yeah i'm in the military i'm an officer or i'm this or i'm that and i got this nice house and this nice car and look at us on our christmas cards when you're really not serving a purposeful life but when you don't know what your purpose is, it's easier to not think about it. Mm-hmm. All right, that was a long tangent. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Let me see. All right, I'm gonna keep reading. Y'all good? Mm-hmm. Blacks in America really need to study the Jews in Germany. Those Jews never thought they were part of Hitler's system. Most of them never sided with the people oppressing them. We do. We go to war. What kind of abomination is that? How many Blacks go to war because we can't find a job and are willing to kill or be killed just so we can feed ourselves and our families? But remember, our already free Maroon ancestors risked all of that just to free others. Getting back to Frederick Douglass, it's like he said, slaves are like other people. Too many of us have that slave mentality. It can take a lot to get past that, but a lot of us have, and Frederick Douglass was one. He was born into slavery in 1818 in Maryland. He wasn't with his mother long enough to remember her very well. And the only thing he knew about his father was that he may have been the man who owned him. Douglas shows that you can accomplish what you can accomplish when your mind is free. He was somewhat free. He was taught to read when he was eight years old by one of his owners, a white lady. What he didn't learn from her, he picked up himself, sometimes by tricking white boys into showing him how to read and write words. When he got a little bit older, his rebelliousness came to the surface. I changed the page. I don't, know. I don't know why people calling me when they know I'm doing this book club. My bad. Y'all good? Let me see. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When he got a little bit older, his rebelliousness came to the surface. Most teenagers start to rebel, but Douglas was one teenager with something to rebel against. He got a hold of some anti-slavery writings, and that fed his anger even more. Soon this got to be too much for his, earner, for his owner who sent him to another plantation so they could break him. That only made Douglas more determined. A slave driver, Mr. Covey, beat him one day till he was covered in blood. But the next time he tried to lay a hand on him, he had a fight on his hands. It lasted a good couple of hours. This time, Covey was the one doing the bleeding. He never came near Douglas again. As Douglas wrote in his narrative, this battle with Mr. Covey was a turning point in my career as a slave career as a slave. That cracked me up. Fred has a sense of humor. Books say he escaped from slavery in 1838 when he was 20, using Siemens papers he had borrowed, then gave lectures for money for the Massachusetts Anti-Slavery Society. Later, he started his own anti-slavery newspaper, The North Star, in 1847. So I thought it was was interesting that um, his white owner, the white lady they were talking about, taught him how to read and then when he started thinking for himself, she sent him somewhere to get broken in, basically. Um, I feel like that's a, a, a metaphor for how certain people think today with that same concept of, oh, you know, white people have done this and that for me, or, you know, they turn their back on the black community because maybe they have a good job or, you know, they found a circle of white friends that they feel are good to them. Um, but 
just how she, you know, she did something good, but then she had to remind him, like, you are not a human, you're a slave. How can we fight against that urge today? Does that question make sense? Just, just as far as like, just because somebody does something for you doesn't mean that they have your best interests at heart. It's like, okay, I could take that. Thank you. But <clears throat> there's still a, a boundary up. You gotta have a set of standards. <clears throat> you said what? You gotta have a set of, of, of standards in a sense for yourself. You know what I'm saying? You gotta know that just because somebody, somebody's giving you a handout is not always, first of all, it's not always in your best interest and it's always, it's not always just for you. A lot of times people do things for themselves. You know what I'm saying? It's all about what the intent is behind it. So she taught him to read, but that might not have been for her or for him. That might have been for her own selfish purpose or her own ego or whatever and when he did start thinking for himself she was like oh wait a minute like that's that's not what I was expecting like a pet you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. you train your pet not because you care so much about your dog knowing how to roll over but it's, it's convenient for you it's easier for you it's something that you want to do for you you training your mm-hmm. pet is a, is a pat on your back you know what I'm saying versus it being more so for the dog so it's like now you have to just be understanding that like every time somebody give you their handout it's not because they they they're looking out for you it could be mm-hmm. genuinely because there's something that they gain from it and the benefit for you that it helps you but it's it's, it's it was for their gain you know mm-hmm. intentions is everything what what the intentions were makes the difference and you got to be wise enough to um to see that and pick up on that, you know what I'm saying? I hope not. There's not too many things in this world that's for free. Like people aren't just helping you just cause all the time, you know. And especially people that don't look like you and don't understand really where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I'm saying there's no people like that, but everybody not out there to do that, right? You know, you see that in your employment. You know what I'm saying? Like. Mm-hmm. I'm going to train you, but that's because this makes this easier for me, not because I care that you're trained. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to teach you or educate you so that it benefits me, but the minute it benefits you, we got a problem. Like, hold up. You weren't supposed to do that. You were supposed to make me money. Are you, you know what I'm saying? You want to make your own money? Like, no, that's not going to work for me. Mm -hmm. I think it comes from a place of obligation because I was talking to my grandfather like two weeks ago about switching my job because I didn't get the promotion that I wanted. So he was coming from a place of just be thankful that you have a job. You acquired these skill sets to stay there five, 10 years. And I'm like, no, like, why do I have to be obligated to give this company five, 10 years of my life when I can go somewhere mm-hmm. else because I've acquired these skill sets in his um, instance, it was reading. So seeing that he's gaining this knowledge and this power knowing that his mind is lethal, it instilled fear in her. So she was like, let me move him around, break him down so he knows where his place is. So um, I just took it in the mindset of us just moving around and just knowing that there's better opportunity and that you're not obligated to stay in one place because you've acquired um, two years experience here. You might get a certification here, but it's okay to move around. Like that obligation is not nothing that you need to, to do to a company that you will never own or don't own at all. Like me and my grandpa was going back and forth and I'm just like, okay, never mind. <laughs> I think um, um, 
that's just a change in like generations, you know, mm-hmm. like our grandparents generation was about survival, you know, like be happy you got that job and they were the type to get a job at 18, 19, 20 and be in that motherfucker till they die. But millennials or, you know what I'm saying? Like younger generations, we not doing none of that. It's like, no, I'm not happy there. I don't feel valued. I don't, you know, like you can literally research this. Like millennials literally quit their jobs all the time. <laughs> like I like that job better or that, that job is funner or I feel like I get more out of that. Like we're transient when it comes to our employment because we're about values. We're about what makes us happy. But our parents and our grandparents, it was just what I got to do to take care of my family. What do I have to do to, and, and I think too, that that comes from not having that many opportunities. Now we got a million opportunities. There's no, like, (laughs) you can literally do whatever you want at this point. But our grandparents, it's like they were limited to probably a job that was right in their community. They weren't driving 45 minutes to a job or there weren't any online jobs and stuff like that. Um, The idea of being an entrepreneur wasn't a trend back then. Like people didn't start their own businesses. So um, I think that like from older generations, we, we could probably use a little bit of that. Like, okay, let me stay in this job and just kind of see what happens. But the idea of, I'm going to stay with this company and they don't even care about me or my community. Like, fuck no, I'm out. <laughs> and I, and I think the more that we do that, the more they'll be like, Oh shit. They not, they don't want to just be slaves no more. They don't want to just come and get their 20, $25 an hour and go home. Like it's no, it's bigger than that. We're not just benefiting y'all. We, even if we are going to come and work for your company, guess what? We're going to take the knowledge that you taught us and we're going to put it into our own businesses and our mm-hmm. own communities. Um, that was kind of a different subject, but I just thought about that. I think that's, um, I think that's interesting. And I think I talked, I talked about that on the first session. Like my mom stayed at a job for 20 years that, I mean, she liked her job, but she hated her supervisors and the owners and stuff like that. So it's like, she was happy at her job, but she was miserable at the same time. And it's just like, now that I'm grown, I'm like, why the fuck didn't she quit or go somewhere else? Like, there's plenty of companies she could have worked for in Chicago, but that just wasn't, she's looking at where her mom was at that age. Like, my mom wasn't even working. She was a housewife, you know, cooking every day and cleaning and, you know, so it's like, I'm gonna be grateful for this job and just keep dealing with it, but we have to keep moving the generations forward. My parents worked at jobs that didn't fulfill them they just got their paycheck. So how dare I do the same fucking thing? No, <laughs> we got to, okay, yep, y'all worked for that long. And okay, now we own a shit at this point. We're not just working for no company that don't care about us for 20 years and leaving with nothing. We're not doing that no more. I, I don't care. <laughs> forget the material stuff. Forget the, you know, forget the trips. Forget all of that. I'm going to create something that my family can't eat off of. Not just, oh, I'm working my nine to five and, you know, and working a nine to five is cool, but we got to use that. Like, how can we use that to empower our community? How can we take that knowledge and put it into our community to make it better and not just get caught up in the daily routine of everything? Just to right. ask real quick, it's not that... There's nothing wrong with a nine to five as long as you're finding peace at that nine to five. Mm-hmm. You're figuring out, like, in this nine to five, 
I'm doing something, I'm helping, you know, if you're a, mm-hmm. like, I'm a, I teach, right, so, no, I don't particularly like my job, but I like the teaching aspect, so it's like, I find peace in teaching, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. um, for sure, yeah, definitely, definitely, on the side, you got to be finding your peace that, that allows you to have your own, just your own, mm-hmm. you know, so. I think that, um, I think that like I don't think everybody can be an entrepreneur. Like we need the we need black teachers. We need, you know what I'm saying, black nurses or people working in the medical field. We need um black doctors and stuff like that. And we're not in a position to just up and put up a fucking hospital <laughs> with all black staff and stuff like that, you know. So we need people in those rooms to be advocates for us, you know. So I think even working a nine to five, you can still serve your community in that way. Not, oh, every every black person that come in front of me, I'm going to hook them up. But, sis, I'm going to make sure you're good. I'm, you know what I'm saying? I might give you a little bit more effort because I know the next guy is probably going to be prejudiced or you're not going to help you as much or he's going to assume that you're just good, you know? So whether it's working at a call center or being a teacher or being a coach or whatever the case, um, you can still serve in those ways, you know? So it's like, it, just like you said, like you you find peace knowing – I'm doing something good, even if I am working for somebody else. Shantia, you all right? Drinking a little bit too much over there? <laughs> hanging there? <laughs> all right. All right, I'm going to keep reading. In 1852, on the day after Independence Day, Douglas gave a speech for the Ladies Anti-Slavery Society in Rochester, New York. The speech was later called, What to the Slave is the Fourth of July? Douglas talked about Americans' most special holiday, and he told it exactly like it was. It started off so nice and meek that he almost seemed to be apologizing for being there. But then when he got all those white folks all relaxed and comfortable, he sprang this on them. Fellow citizens, pardon me, allow me to ask, why am I called upon to speak here today? What have I or those I represent to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? I am not included within the pale of this glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us. The blessings in which you, this day, rejoice are not enjoyed in common. The rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. The sunlight that brought life and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice, I must mourn. To drag a man in fetters into the grand illuminated temple of liberty and call upon him to join you in joyous anthems where inhuman mockery and sacrilegious irony. Do you mean citizens to mock me by asking me to speak today? If so, there is a parallel to your conduct. That was Fred. All white folks had to do was teach him to use their language, and he was able to use it a lot better than most of them ever would. After the Civil War started, he helped recruit black soldiers from the 54th Massachusetts Infantry Regiment to fight against the South and slavery. Years later, after the war was over, the president appointed him, appointed him minister to Haiti. Fred was one black man who believed in, him, in himself and his own potential. Not bad for a brother who started off as somebody else's property, right? What did y'all think of um, everybody this year 
not everybody, but I feel like more people were aware of why we shouldn't um, celebrate July 4th and why we should celebrate Juneteenth. How did y'all feel about like just that shift in our culture? Uh, can you change the page? Mm-hmm. That's all you had to say? <laughs> I thought it was Tristan, the only one talking. <laughs> Go ahead. Anyway, I thought it was wow. Like I thought it was like I was. I, I don't know. I just think I was like so impressed with everybody being able to come together and understand really why we celebrate it, and then to see the amount of people that really did not celebrate the fourth. You know what I'm saying? Like you mm-hmm. could have hopped on trend and hopped on board with celebrating Juneteenth and been like, yeah, we doing this. And then still turned around and celebrated the fourth, but to not celebrate the fourth, I just thought that was very just aware of people. You know what I'm saying? Like people were being very aware. Um, I don't know. I thought it was a wild thing. Like I'm pretty much from the West Coast, so it's like I, not that that's an excuse, but I I, I really just didn't know a whole lot about. You know what I'm saying? Like I had heard about it, but I didn't really know what it really meant. And so, and a lot of people I know didn't really know what it, you know, didn't really know what it is. So I just, I was really impressed that people were really able to come together and do that, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that was real monumental because I think it's going to continue forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Just to make me feel better, uh, not that I'm from the South, but I'm from the Midwest and I think um, I didn't, I don't think I knew about Juneteenth until like last year. And I just remember thinking like, damn, why we don't, why don't we celebrate that? You know? But um, again, that goes back to us being just in our daily routine. Like our, our job doesn't acknowledge June 15th. So we don't think about it. It doesn't acknowledge June, you know, June 19th. Like when would I have figured out? The first time I ever heard of Juneteenth was uh, on an episode of Atlanta. That's the first time I heard about it. Mm-hmm. And I still was like, what are they celebrating though? <laughs> right. And um, you know, that, like, I think that's why us having our own shit is so important. Like, if Atlanta was written by a white man or produced by a white man, that shit wouldn't have been put in there. But the fact that it was written and produced and all that stuff by Black people, it's like, of course it would be in there. You know? Um but uh, I definitely think it was powerful. Um, I think all of this like enlightenment within our community, it makes me think of the people that I would see 10, 15 years ago that would be talking about stuff like this. Like, why are we celebrating July 4th? And you know, they had dropped some knowledge and we would think like, this nigga too deep. Ain't nobody even thinking about that. You know, we just trying to barbecue and kick it, you know? But it's like, now I find myself being that person. Like, no, for real, we not celebrating that shit at all. Like, when you when you become conscious of it and you know the history of it, you can't help but to not want to do the shit. Like, fuck no, I'm not putting on no damn red, white, and blue shirt or, you know, and when, when I picture stuff like that, just growing up, it's like, oh, it's July 4th. We got to get our 4th of July outfits and we got to get our flags and all that type of shit. Not 
I'll be disgusted. Like, God damn. And just talking about me and my family, but like a bunch of ignorant niggas is what I think. Like now, you know, I try not to think that way because everybody like comes into their consciousness at different times or they don't. But it's like, I can't believe we was really out here at parades and kicking it at barbecues and we got on fucking red, white, and blue and flags and stuff like that. Just because we don't want to take time to know our history. It's easier to just go with the flow. It's easier to just, oh, you barbecuing? Okay, I'm coming up. You know, it's easy to do that than to sit there and think about what our ancestors were doing on Independence Day. Don't nobody want to think about that shit. <laughs> even, even Juneteenth is hard for me because um, like I've been researching like the whole Lincoln freed the slaves thing and like when people from the south talk about oh the confederate flag is not about slavery I learned that that's damn near true like not saying that we should allow them to do disrespectful shit like that but the idea of slavery being abolished was a, a was a power trip between the north and the south the North used that just as a tool to gain economic power. It wasn't, oh my God, this is a terrible thing. We need to free all black people. It was like, oh, y'all y'all got too much economic power. We need to take back control. Otherwise, y'all gonna take control of the country. So now it's like, fuck, I don't even, I damn near don't want to celebrate Juneteenth. <laughs> just having that knowledge of it, like that's such a, a backhand thing to do. But then they package it as, oh, Lincoln freed the slaves, and this is when we were free and all that kind of stuff, when really we weren't. Because even after Juneteenth, we had Jim Crow and segregation and all that kind of stuff, which I don't even think segregation was necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, we dealt with all these other uh, political and issues within our communities and stuff like that. It's like, why are we, what are we really, really celebrating? If anything, I'm going to celebrate Juneteenth and not 4th of July. But even having knowledge of what Juneteenth was, it's like, okay, I'm going to celebrate, but like, fuck. <laughs> what is there to celebrate for real, you know? You know, Juneteenth didn't even come until, if I'm not mistaken, like two years after slaves were even set free, right? Right. Like, mm -hmm. that's, that'd, be, that's, that'd be the part, like... They were set free through, due to like a power trip. And then you didn't find out about it, or at least in Texas, they didn't really find out about it until mm -hmm. two years later, you know? Right. Yeah. They, if you don't celebrate something, you ain't gonna celebrate nothing. You, you don't have nothing to celebrate. You know what I'm saying? Real talk, like. Yeah. I mean, but I think, I think we have to celebrate shit that we do for ourselves. Because I feel like, I feel like that, puts in our mind unconsciously like we only celebrate what white people do for us you know what I'm saying like let's let's celebrate our black businesses or our black accomplishments or black entertainment or black art let's let's appreciate those things you know let's appreciate people like Jay-Z and Beyonce and Diddy and Oprah and I mean we could talk about all they flaws and they fucked up shit but like let's let's treasure those things and not necessarily um what white america does for us like why are we you know especially when we know it wasn't because they cared about us right it wasn't that at all you know um 
So I think that's the stuff we celebrate when our when our friend opens a business or our friend becomes a doctor or you know what I'm saying? We celebrate that stuff the way we do Fourth of July. While we can't have a big ass barbecue and pop fireworks and shit like that, when we do something that benefits us as individuals and as a community, that's the shit we should fucking celebrate, I think. Yeah, I agree. For me, it was like Juneteenth was the whole thing of like us just coming together, like finally coming mm-hmm. together as one. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, the Puerto Ricans had a Puerto Rican Day Parade and they come together. The Chinese, mm-hmm. you know, they have their Chinese New Year or whatever. They come together. Right. Like, everybody, you know, have their own days. And we never had that for us. Like, this so that. Mm-hmm. So that was for us to celebrate it this year and for it to be so big, it was really, and for us to like really be supporting black businesses and stuff, it was really mm-hmm. like a sense of unity for me. Like mm-hmm. just being out with my friends, it's like, okay, well, we gonna go to this black owned place, this black owned restaurant. We gonna, you know, support and buy shirts from this black owned company. Um, we gonna, it, it went to so far as to like, we not even going to argue with nobody today because it's, we not even going to argue with no other black people. Right. It's like we just going to embrace yeah. each other. And, and it felt so good. Like just mm-hmm. like here in Chicago, riding down the expressway at night on Juneteenth and seeing like fireworks. And it's like, it made me feel good because it's like, I know it's a black person lighting them fireworks. Like, or somebody in support of us lighting them fire. Right. Like, you know, this is for us. And it, we've never felt that before. So it was just right. a great feeling for me. Mm-hmm. Definitely powerful. I think even just seeing the shift on social media, like, it's like you can't go on social media now without seeing some type of Black Pride post or, you know what I'm saying? Like, not just the bad stuff, like us still fighting for Breonna Taylor and stuff like that, but also just like, um, like you said, us supporting each other, our businesses and just whatever the case, you know. Um, I just, I just, I know that this momentum is going to keep going. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, um, like Jay-Z creating, what's his little uh the rock nation brunch or whatever like he jokes about it in one of his songs like i created my own easter you know it's like fuck y'all holiday i'm gonna create my own shit so this random motherfucking day we just gonna have a bunch of niggas come together looking good dressing good smelling good and we just gonna celebrate each other you know what i'm saying i think that's dope you know i think we should Celebrate Juneteenth, but also use that that same power of coming together and, and black love and stuff like that and do more of it. You know what I mean? For sure. Like that how we are on how we were on Juneteenth should be like every motherfucking day. We should. You know? We should. And it's and it's not about, oh, we boycotting Walmart or we boycotting these places. Like that's like negative talk to me. You know, it should just be, oh, I supported this black owned business today. We not even acknowledging they ass at all. <laughs> we just supporting our people and that's it, you know. All right, y'all ready for Harriet Tubman? I'm excited. Sis was the truth. Let's go. <laughs> Harriet Tubman. The US Treasury Department has been talking about putting a sister on a twenty dollar bill. Harriet Tubman. 
you know, if anything like that happens, black folks had nothing to do with it because if we did, her picture would be lighter and her hair would be straight because that's how many of us think. Still today, victims of the slave mentality. But when you stop and think about Harriet Tubman and the reason we know about her, white historians couldn't hide all of the truth. You think out of millions of blacks who were slaves, there was only one woman out there helping slaves escape? They picked one and then they told us, now you leave us alone, okay? So if you can find, an see if you can find another one, you ain't got half enough money to do the research. And if you don't do the research, you can't find out. Um, I just wanted to ask like who, Tris, I said, you know, I know you said you're a teacher. Um, they talked about research and, you know, again, like we're waiting on white people to tell us our history who is responsible for doing research on us and then pushing that to the community? Like, how do we do that? We're responsible. To be honest, we're responsible. As you age and as you mature, you understand more, right? Like, I don't expect my student to, I don't expect them to know everything, right? But as I mature, as I grow, it's my duty to myself, first and foremost, to educate myself. And then, most importantly, I have to give that back. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, if y'all know, like, any, like, five percenters, like, some of their, um, their messaging is, like, the babies are the future, right? But it's so true, even in the Frederick Douglass case, like, he was taught to read so early, but that played a huge role and his development and how he turned out. You know what I'm saying? It's really up to us as individuals, as conscious rethinking people to educate ourselves first and foremost. We have to do our own research, even forums like this, so we can do research together. But as soon as we learn this information, it does nothing for us if we just keep it in our head. We gotta take it mm -hmm. and educate the young ones out there. Like we have to. And then you have to be diligent about finding the ones that, that wanna learn. Like. Every time you get an opportunity, just spit something out, see where they at. They may not want to receive all of it at once. Sometimes you got to come to people in different ways so that they understand, um, but you constantly got to spit it out. We are first and foremost, I can't tell you anything I don't know for myself. Because the first question you should ask me is how do you know? Or why do you say that? And you surely can't say I heard, you know. Um, my uncle told me like people who say I heard are people who really don't know. Straight mm -hmm. up. And so it, it, sure. it starts with us. It starts with us. Most definitely. You got to hold yourself accountable before you can hold anybody else to a certain level or standing. Like, oh, you should be doing this or you should have did that. It's like, that, if you didn't do it, that it falls on deaf ears. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, I think that... um I think that some of us have, uh, I guess, the influencers of the family, yeah. um, not not just the not just the grandparents or you know, but I feel like the um, the person that people are looking to for inspiration within the family. It's important for them to make that cool like make it a cool thing to read or to know your history or to know information um 
I think that too often it's like the the nerdy aunt or you know what I'm saying like the the one that maybe isn't the best dressed or just whatever the case that like that that's usually the one that knows the knowledge and wants to share it and is trying to encourage people to read but we need the we need the the uncle that's a pimp that's pulling up with the nice car and a nice suit and you know we need him to be talking that shit to be talking about our history and stuff like that you know what I mean because that's who the kids are looking up to um just as far as like oh my my uncle got a lot of money and he got a nice car and his wife looked good and he read and he you know he talking about this kind of stuff and it makes them interested and I want to be smart like him or I want to talk like him you know I want to read books like my uncle or my dad or whatever the case um I definitely think we all have to play a part but I think it's um it's powerful when the influencers the um, the people with those attractive auras in our families, when they're the ones that are spitting knowledge and doing it in an attractive way is what makes people want to know more about it, you know? Um, and definitely teachers, of course, you know, but uh, I think that comes from having our own schools as well. Like how, how much freedom do you have to change your curriculum? I'm asking. So, so for me, I teach at a trade school, right? So I'm not sure exactly how it's done in like CCSD, but gotcha. where I am, they give us a curriculum and then they say, they, you teach it however you want to, right? This is where it is. You teach it however you want to. But there is a very, um, a very formal guideline. So please believe, even though they say you teach it how you want to teach it, like, if not, you still need to follow steps one, two, three. Now, how you put steps one, two, three is up to you, but you have to, mm -hmm. you have to follow it. You know what I'm saying? Whether you agree with it or not, you know? Mm -hmm. So just being mm -hmm. in, like, the industry that we in, you know, what happens in school a lot of times is not the same thing that's happening in the salon. You know what I'm saying? It's not mm -hmm. the same thing that's happening at the chair. You're not having those same interactions. Um, so for me, I make sure that I'm giving the real. Like, I'm giving it to them and... You know, I don't know. I kind of had this attitude like I know how to make money money for myself. You know what I'm saying? So I'm gonna do what's right first and foremost. And you know, if that becomes an issue as a result of my job, then I'm okay with that because I know how to use my hands to make money. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, yeah, it's not a whole lot of freedom. It really is. Yeah, I definitely want to talk to. You said what? They like to try to say it is like I said. They like to try mm -hmm. to tell you do it in, in your own way, but there's a very much a system laid out for you. You know what I'm saying? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely want to um, talk to like some of my friends and family that are teachers and just ask them like, you know, I mean, it's just like it's just like being a police officer. Like you, you go in thinking you're gonna have all of this power, but you get lost in the system. You know. So what do we do in the meantime, if we don't have millions of dollars to just build schools all over the country, like what do we do in the meantime to educate ourselves? Like I, I think, I think um, learning black history is probably the most powerful thing that you can teach even outside of math and science and all of that kind of stuff, but empowering people on who they are and where they come from um, not just, oh, we were kings and queens and yeah, that's cool. But like, what were we doing 
in slavery, you know, learning about Harriet Tubman and Nat Turner and stuff like that. What were we doing during the civil rights movement? Um, hearing those things and hearing about powerful black people is like, oh, I do have a voice. I can make things better in my community. I can do these things as opposed to thinking, oh, nothing is going to ever change. And I'm going to just worry about myself and just survive and get through the day, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just to even add to that, like the school thing, like, what you find being a teacher is like, a lot of times these teachers are in here doing a lot of babysitting more so than they're, they're even doing teaching. You know what I'm saying? So imagine our kids being in these schools where they're already maybe one of three in their classes, depending on where you are, you know what I'm saying? They're definitely being overlooked, overshadowed, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Because mm -hmm. it's a lot of happening. For sure. That's why right, I'm keep... important. You what? That's why mentorship is so important. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Being able to like reach out to young adults and just talk to them. Like you said, like you got to make it cool, but for whoever that person is for you, somebody's going to find you cool. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's the person you should be mentoring. That's the person you should be checking on and, and mm -hmm. hey, what you doing and, and what's, what's going on over here? Like that's mm -hmm. what I feel like we could do as individuals right now to educate each other and start mentoring each other, you know? And that comes as adult. Like you could be my mentor. Just because we're in the same age bracket don't mean that we can't be a mentor to each other. You know what I'm saying? Right. Definitely to the Definitely. Right. For sure. I think even um, even if you aren't, you know, sitting people down and like, okay, now I'm going to talk to you for an hour about Black history. You know what I'm saying? I think even something as simple as um, uh, even just telling a, a young Black girl that you like her hair, if it's natural. and You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh my God, I love your hair. Like something so simple as that could change somebody's mindset. You know, something so small as that. I can't think of, um, or even like, why we don't make jokes out of powerful people in Black history? Like, don't make me go net turn on your ass. Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's something like, why we can't, that should be in our fucking jokes. You know what I'm saying? We should be laughing. That way when kids hear like Nat Turner, who is Nat Turner? That's going to make them get on the internet, figure out who Nat Turner is. Like, oh, he was a badass motherfucker. Like, he was not playing with y'all. <laughs> I, you know, just go ahead. What'd you say? I said, see, now you gotta use that though. I gotta be the very thing you use. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, hold on, y'all. I'm fucking burning up. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> my bad. My bad. Dang, my air was all the way off. Trish, you know how fucking hot it is here. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Who sent the sun to kill us? God damn. Man, when I left school, I had to turn my car on for like 10 minutes before I got in that motherfucker. It cooled down. <laughs> Man. All right, I'm going to keep reading. I think we're going to finish out Harriet Tubman, and then that's going to be it for tonight. Now, that, that's not to take anything away from Harriet Tubman. The reason they picked her was because even for this corrupt, lying, racist system, it was, imp it was impossible to deny her. She was a hero, sure enough. 
She was a little slip. She was a little slip of a woman. wasn't big as a minute, but couldn't read or write. All her life, she had dizzy spells because she once got hit in the head with a piece of metal a slave owner had chucked at another slave. That doesn't sound much like somebody who could lead runaway slaves to Canada, does it? But she did, and if you were one of the slaves she was taking and you got scared and wanted to turn back, she'd pull out a pistol and threaten to shoot you. She may have been a little woman, but she was a serious little woman. She was born with the name Araminta Harriet Ross in 1822. She had eight brothers and sisters. Like Frederick Douglass, she was a rebel. One time, she stole some sugar and thought her owner was going to beat her for it, so she hid for five days. She had no love for slavery, and getting hit on the head with that piece of metal didn't help. Things like that, plus seeing family members sold away, made her decide she needed to escape. By then, she had a husband, John Tubman, but when he wouldn't run away with her and she couldn't get anybody else in her family to go with her, she took off by herself. She made it to New Jersey on foot and became a paid domestic worker. Then she decided she wanted to sneak back down south and free her and free her at that point. Wait, is that the right one? Mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Before she was done, she had freed many slaves. Nobody knows how many, some say around 150, some say 300. They call her Black Moses because she freed her people like Moses and the, and the Bible freed the Hebrews from Egypt. Except in the case of Moses, we have to take the Bible's word for it. There are pictures of Harriet Tubman. I'm gonna finish this one out. She was a spy too. During the Civil War, when the white officers needed to know what she was, what was going on down south, they sent free blacks like Harriet because they could pass as slaves. Nobody thinks twice about seeing one more black person, especially one who looked as little and harmless as Harriet Tubman. We shouldn't be underestimated. What symbolism do you guys hear in like the story of Harriet Tubman? Just as far as her husband and. Um, her being able to kind of blend in and, and uh, get information and stuff like that. Like what symbolism do you guys hear in that? If any. Symbolism. I'm gonna say one about her husband and her family. The statement of like, everybody can't go. Everybody can't go with you. When you want to free your own mind and you want to uh, create a better life for yourself, you're going to have family and friends that tell you, girl, you can't do that. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't tell y'all how many friends and family I had that tried to change my mind about me leaving the military. Like, why would you do that? Why, you know, you giving up that good job and those good benefits and, you know, why don't you at least just do 20 so you can get retirement pay? Like, but my, my fucking spirit couldn't even be there no more you know and it's like now that I'm out and I'm doing all these other great things now it's like oh I'm so proud of you and motherfuckers inspired and you know what I'm saying but it's like but when I was in the military I couldn't be who I am now you know but it's it's that sense of being afraid or the unknown or you know it's like I know the situation I'm in now but now you want me to move into a situation that I have no clue about and people get scared and sometimes you have to leave and show them that it can be done and then come back and get people without passing judgment or without saying, oh, well, no, nah, you wasn't with me. You know what I'm saying? No, nah, you don't want to go. You don't want to educate yourself. You don't want to read. You don't want to be independent. You don't want to 
start a business. Okay, guess what? I'm going to do it, and I'm going to come back and, t- and show you the game. Because I don't want to just win. I want everybody else to be free, too. I want everybody else to be at peace, too. You and know? sometimes that's all it takes because a lot of people do try to do their best and, and put themselves out there. But um, I've seen personally people fall, and instead of them getting back up, they just stay there and everybody else around them, they've seen them fail at something. So they automatically feel like that's them too, instead of getting Mm -hmm. up and trying again. So Mm -hmm. just want to add that. Yeah. And inspiration, you know, and I think everybody, people have um, different ideas of what failure are. Like me getting out of the military and, and being in Vegas for the past year, I have failed so many goddamn times, like, but I don't even, I don't even talk about it like that. You know, it's like, yeah, I did that and that ain't really work out. So now I'm doing this, you know, whether it's business or relationships or schools or whatever the fuck, you know, like I, I, but I don't look at it as, oh man, I failed at that. Like I'm a worthless person or you know, you just get stuck there. Fuck no, I'm gonna take the lessons I learned from that and keep moving. But not everybody has the mindset to just keep going, you know, and it's amazing what you can say to people. And then all of a sudden, they just have a shift in a mindset. Like, oh, I didn't like, just because you fail at one thing doesn't mean you failed at life. And now it's just time to give up. I don't give a fuck if you homeless with no money, like, I honestly feel like unless I'm dead, like I'm still moving. I'm still moving my feet. I'm still growing and, and doing what I have to do to keep moving forward. As long as I'm not in the same spot for too long, I don't care if I take 10 steps back, five forward, 12 back, eight forward. Like I'm I'm moving and I'm transitioning, you know. But um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that stuck out to me. Like she left her whole husband like, all right, well, I'm out. <laughs> I'll see your ass when I come back, if I come back. But she didn't even stop. She didn't even let her husband stop her from what she knew was freedom and peace and all of that, you know. And ain't no telling. They might have got back together or whatever the case. She, that might have been one of the slaves she came back and took to freedom. But I got to go do this for me, whether y'all want to come or not. You know, I got to go see for myself if this is going to work out. And if it do, then, you know what I'm saying, it's a win for all of us because now we know the blueprint, now we know the game. Everybody else can come too, you know, sharing the knowledge. Remind me of uh, two two things, right? If it was easy, everybody would do it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, imagine how difficult it was coming back for people. Like, to go and get away that first time and then say, I'm going to go back. So you already know what's waiting for you if you if you get caught or whatever. Like, if mm. it was easy, that, that shit ain't, that's not easy. Nothing about that yeah. was, that's what, that, that's what stands out. Like, that, that was so brave of her and so courageous of her to come back and then continue to come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and then just like, everything else in life like if it's worth having you gotta work for it you gotta fight for it you know and that's what freedom was for her it was worth having but she had to put that fight for it you know um yeah yeah 
Yeah, I thought it was um I thought it was cool too how she was able to use her appearance for a greater purpose. You know, just as far as like how they said, uh they would send her back down south because nobody would think much, oh, she's just a little black woman, she's probably a slave, whatever the case. But she used that to her advantage. You know, she didn't uh like a lot of times you see it was like uh female police officers, like they try to overcompensate to, um, you know, to be more aggressive or to show people that they really about their job or whatever the case. But she used how people viewed her against them. Nobody would have ever even thought to, nobody would have ever even thought that she had the balls or the mind to even do what she was doing. It, they never would have thumped that shit, <laughs> ever, you know? But it's like, oh, y'all thinking me like that? It's kind of like people, how people in business say, oh, I'm going to play dumb so that he does this. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to play dumb or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act like I don't know a whole lot or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play into how he viewing me in order to get ahead. And I'm not saying do that against our own people, but just as far as, you know, business moves and stuff like that, um, we just have to be aware of how, we, how we're represented. Um, there's a book that I read last year called Black Fortunes, and it's about um, it's about like the first black millionaires. So of course they had like Madam C.J. Walker and stuff like that, but they also had a bunch of people that you never heard of, black rich black people that bought up whole communities, like they just owned all the property and like crazy stories of how they acquired wealth. But um, almost all of the early black millionaires were mixed. Like they passed for white and stuff like that. But, and some of them just use that to their advantage to acquire wealth. But a lot of them also use that in order to help the black community. They took the money that they were able to make with these business plans and stuff like that in order to fund the Nat Turners. And you know what I'm saying? They, they took the money and put it back into the community. Um, and when I read that book, like it really resonated with me because of course, with me being as light as I am, like, I have, uh, not privileges, I guess privilege. I have privilege that y'all don't have because of your skin color, you know? So it's like, okay, how can I use my privilege in order to get into certain doors? You know, so I think about that when I thought about like Harriet Tubman, like, okay, most white people assume that I'm white. And they, you know, so even just something so simple as, oh yeah, I can help you out or no, we don't do that. Like, it could literally be something as small as that. Just being aware of my privilege and how I can use that to either acquire resources or whatever the case in order to put back into our community. So I think we all have to figure out, like, what advantage do I have? You know, as opposed to me walking into a room and wanting everybody to know I'm Black. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, that might not even... If I just shut the fuck up, I might be able to get some shit and, you know, they don't even know that they funding a black business or they may not, may not even know that I'm going to put this back into the black community. But if I just shut the fuck up and let them think whatever they're going to think, then, you know what I'm saying? It's, instead of fixing a, a short term problem or issue or whatever, I'm going to gain something from that. Okay. Yeah. Anywho, that's all I got for y'all. I hope that was um, enlightening and fulfilling. 
all those words, educational. I hope y'all got some value out of it, something out of it. You guys got any um, any feedback for me? Or y'all just good? Y'all full? Um, dang, like we got we got these things every other day. You feel me? Can we like two days a week? You feel me? I think I think I'm gonna do Tuesday and Thursday. Oh, that sounds great. I gotta I really I really gotta think about it though because I got some people that that said they they like Saturday so I don't know we gonna figure it out but you don't have to log in every day Dre <laughs> I know but I don't want to miss nothing but I don't want to I don't want to miss nothing and I ain't got nothing else to do so what are you talking about so what are you complaining about? Anywho. I'm just saying this is every other it's every other day. You asked for feedback. I gave you feedback. That's all I got <laughs> okay. for you. Okay. This was Thank this you, was great. Just as every other session. This was amazing. Thank you guys for being here and thank you for uh making this happen again. <laughs> and I'm gonna mute myself. I'm done. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> this is uh my first session and meeting or meet up whatever this is uh but I can just really appreciate this so I you know thank you for coming up with this it take it take individuals you know what I'm saying it takes certain individuals to do certain things and be supported by everybody else so this was uh this was like a phenomenal idea I haven't heard of a zoom book club meeting ever <laughs> so I, I, I think this is a phenomenal idea and it turned out to be everything I expected it to be. So very good. Well done. And I'll, I'll see you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Santia, you good? You full? Hey, yes. I learned a lot. Like, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm excited about the next one. That's what's up. I'm happy. <laughs> like I said, if you guys got, um, got any feedback from me of this, how to make it better and stuff like that um definitely let me know like I view this as something for all of us you know not just oh this is my thing you know I just wanted to bring as much value as possible and you know exceed everybody's expectations but um but I appreciate y'all for tuning in for sure like this helps me more than it helps you guys I feel like um so I definitely appreciate it for sure um if you guys don't know the first episode was uh was published um if you want i'll send you the the link but i do turn these conversations into a podcast so people that can't tune in every day or they can't you know they can hear it later on or whatever on their own time so yeah send me the uh from the huh? previous send me the link from the previous one okay i got you the first episode is out i'm still waiting on the second one but i'll send you the uh i'll send you like the the page like to all the episodes so okay. you'll have that it's just sure. audio not visual right it's just audio no it's just audio just audio that's it hey ladies i gotta cut out but i will hopefully see y'all all right y'all have a good night good night, good night.